Hi, this is Michael Gilbride from Telco, and I'm here to talk with the Enrons about your new favorite song, Say Hello. Hello and welcome to Your New Favourite Song, a podcast brought to you by the Enrons, where each week we will feature a recent released song from an independent artist. My name is Bernard Ennis and I will be your host. Today, I'll be speaking to Michael Gilbride from Telco about his recently released song, You Say Hello. Hello, Michael. How are you? Today? Hi. Hey, Bernard. How are you? Very good. Thank you very much. You're speaking from uh, Florida rather than the uh, East Coast today? I'm in Florida now. I'm originally from Pennsylvania, and our music project is based out of New York City. So it's a little bit of everything. A little bit of everything. Okay, yeah. so before we start uh, on the song, maybe mm-hmm. you could tell the listeners uh, a little bit about yourself and a little bit about the band. Yeah, so the band Telco is just a, essentially a project name for my solo project. Um, so it's just me. Um, with Say Hello, I did work with uh, one of my buddies from high school who came on and co-produced but the rest of the EP that we just put out is, is completely self-released. It's just me. I produced it. I wrote it, recorded it. Um, but the, the project started, I guess you could say probably when I was around 19 years old, um, I started recording music, writing songs, uh, eventually put together a collection of a couple of demos, which included two songs from the EP we just dropped, which was Say Hello and uh, another co- song called Shades of Red. Um, We took those two demos. Um, I sent one of them to my friend from high school and I asked him if he liked it, asked him if he wanted to come on and play guitar on it. Um, And that's sort of how we started making Say Hello. Um, And then sort of the project Telco sort of evolved from that. I think it was my kind of goal to, sometimes when you use your name, if I was Michael Gilbride, the songwriter, you tend to get pigeonholed a bit into the singer-songwriter. And so that was something I kind of wanted to avoid. So I sort of adopted this moniker of something completely outside of myself, which was Telco. And that's kind of how the project came to be. Okay. And do you play in other bands or uh, other constellations rather no. than Telco? So Telco is your that's project it. at yeah. the moment. Yeah. This, is just, this is just it for me. Okay. And originally you're from Philadelphia? Scrant, uh, close. Scranton, Pennsylvania. Gra- so. Okay. It's in Pennsylvania, uh, yep. Philadelphia. I think about Rocky, obviously. It's my yeah. generation. <laughs> and Scranton, Scranton people are going to think of the office, the U.S. version of the office, oh, is based okay. in uh, Scranton, Pennsylvania. So, okay. And now you're living, not in, you're not living in uh, Florida. No, so really? I'm just here uh, at, at my girlfriend's place in Florida for the weekend, and so set up a nice little mini podcast station here. Okay, and uh, because you're based in the east. You're, yeah, in you're, you're, you're living in New, in New York, York. Yep. in New York City, and you've flown down to Florida. And so it's, uh, Correct. And how's that working out in uh, Corona times? It's been a nightmare. So I went back to my parents' place in Pennsylvania once the coronavirus hit um, just to get this EP recorded because it was such a nightmare in New York City. Um, so I kind of went back there, built a little makeshift studio, and got the whole EP recorded from my parents' basement. Uh, but it was kind of, it was, it was hectic. I mean, once it came over to New York City and everything shut down and it was a bit of a nightmare. Um, at the time I was working in finance, uh, I was working on Wall Street in New York City and 
uh, quit my job back in March to pursue working on this music full time. So you take a pandemic, you take quitting your your full time job, and you take moving back to your parents' home, and it's it's kind of been a wild 2020. Um, it's been a wild 2020 for everybody, but for me, I feel like it's been extra crazy. So. Okay. And what were you doing on Wall Street? Obviously making a lot of money, I guess. Uh, well, so I think that I had a different strategy when it came to doing music because I think a lot of times we tend to romanticize the idea of, you know, dropping out of college and going and pursuing music, which is great for a lot of people. But I knew for me that if I was going to produce my EP by myself, I was going to need money to, to back myself because yeah. I wasn't, I knew I wasn't going to get a record deal right off the bat. So I figured I'm going to take a bit of an alternate route. I got a degree in finance. I went and worked on Wall Street. I saved up all of my money that I could. And then I took that money. And when I had enough saved up, I quit my job and I poured it into making this EP, made sure I got the equipment, made sure that I had the money to promote myself, marketing and things like that. Um, and so it was a bit of a different strategy, but I was a trader on Wall Street. Um, uh, I traded corporate bonds. So it was, a, it was an exciting life, but it wasn't. Yeah. It wasn't the life that I, I wanted to, you know, do long term. So, but it's also not a life that you can do long term. Huh? I know mm -hmm. somebody who was a trader, and they said after a few years, you're completely burned out. Yeah. So stressful and uh, so high paced. Yeah. It's so definitely, it's not something you can do forever. No, exactly. And I think that's why having a passion on the side was so important during those years. I mean, I would come home from working, you know, whatever, however long of a day it was, and come home and work on the music and then go to sleep and go back to work, come home, work on music, go to sleep. And you tend to fall on this pattern. But if I didn't have music, I think I would have been a lot more miserable. <laughs> okay. Um, well, that's, uh, I think, recognizable for anybody who works and does music on the side. Yeah. You know, there's, uh, you have to have something which drives you outside of, the, of, of your job. Or, or exactly. Fulfills you in your life. So I would like to ask you, the, you asked, I asked you to give me three questions that uh, I should ask you to find yeah. out a little bit more about you. Sure. And the first one was, which band or artist, dead or alive, would play at your funeral? Yeah, so this one I was thinking about, I, I think it would have to be The Cure. I recently, so recently I booked tickets to go to a festival in Spain. I think it was 2019. Um, and I was going to see the 1975. They're like one of my one of my favorite bands. And The Cure were headlining the tour. And I had never listened to The Cure. And my girlfriend's mom was a big fan of The Cure. And I was like, I, don't, I really don't get it. I don't know why they were like headlining this. So yeah. eventually I started listening to their stuff because I was going to be going to this concert anyway. I figured I might as well know some of their stuff. And I just nonstop fell in love with them, listening to them 24-7. The guys at work used to get so mad at me because I would just play them from my computer all day. And so they just rocketed to like the top of my all-time favorite bands. I think like Pictures of You is like my favorite song of all time now. So I hopefully, hopefully I'll be able to outlive Robert Smith and I won't have my funeral anytime soon. But uh, if, if that were the case, I would, if, I would have to go with The Cure. Okay, yeah. And uh, I mean, if you could see one movie again for the first time, what would it be and why? Yeah, that was an easy one. That was The Dark Knight, the Batman movie. I... Uh. I watched that when I was little and uh I remember so how being, old I, was, I mean how old are you now? I mean when you're little I'm 25. you're twenty five now. Yeah. So I was young enough to still be like scared of the Joker. I and oh, I yeah. saw I remember seeing the trailers for that with Heath Ledger as the Joker and I was like, 
this is just incredible. And it's been my favorite movie since. And it's like geeky to say, but it, it's still my favorite movie. Yeah, it is a really yeah, it's a really great movie. I uh, remember when uh, Michael Keaton played Batman. Uh, yeah. Probably when, uh, might even be before you were born. Yeah, a bit um, before me. I think it was when I, around when I was born. Around when you were born in the 90s. And uh, I mean, I remember, I'm a lot older than you. I remember also the uh, Adam West, uh, uh, the old Batman series from the 60s, which was very, yeah. very tame. And and then uh, Michael Keaton came along and did this really dark Batman. And then uh, the Christopher Nolan oh. series came on, and went even darker. And it's yeah. like, wow, this is very close to the original uh dc comic type of very black very dark uh feeling of these of these movies and i really i I think that's probably the best batman film yeah i I would would definitely go with you mostly because of heath ledger and i thought um what was his name again christian bale no 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 anthony uh, no um what's his name again Very, very famous. Not Robert De Niro, the other one. Very, very famous actor. Come on. I'm thinking. Uh, Jack Nicholson, ahead. obviously. Jack oh, Nicholson. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. And Jack Nicholson did the Joker. And then Heath Ledger just went a complete level above that mm-hmm. uh, in, in, in characterizing this yeah, that movie complete was maniac. Point. Yeah. And uh, so we t- it comes uh, talking about scary things. What is the scariest thing you ever did for fun? Yeah. So I picked this question specifically because the scariest thing I've ever done was singing, which was why I fell in love with music. I, I used to have really, really bad, I still do, but we used to have really bad anxiety growing up as a kid. And in high school, they forced me to do this musical that I did not want to do. I was refused to sing. I, I hated it. And they made me do this musical and I had to sing in this musical. And I realized that when I was singing, I was so petrified of singing in public that I couldn't think of anything else. And that's very much like a drug, right? It's like, it's like skydiving. If you're so scared of skydiving, you can't worry about anything else. And so as soon as I did that, that play, I got immediately just hooked on singing. And so from that point on was around the time when I just went out, I bought a piano, I taught myself piano, I started writing songs because I was like, I need to have this in my life because it, like I said, it was like a drug, you know, it shuts your mind off completely because you're so terrified of doing it. Okay, that's it's it's uh, yeah. I can I can I can quite get I can really get that. You know, it's the feeling you get also when you're on stage. Right. You know, you beforehand there's a massive surge of adrenaline, mm-hmm. and then when you're up there and you're singing, it's you're completely lost in whatever is going on. You're kind yeah, of you're not going to be working about your home problems when you're singing no. in front of a crowd of people. You know. Yeah, that, that's very very true. And uh, when I uh, hear, heard your voice, uh, yeah, I mean, you have a very, very nice voice. Thank you. Uh, it sounds it. like, I, I think I, I described it as uh, Brian Molko on Honey. Okay, yeah. You know Brian Molko from Placebo? This, this, you've got this kind of hard nasally edge, but it's very much tempered. And he's got a very nasally voice, this sound. But the, the basic timbre of your voice reminds me very much of Brian Molko or Michael thank Stipe. You. Uh, oh, thank you. It's very smooth. It, uh, it, took smooth. A, it took a long time to get there. I still have recordings from the first times mm-hmm. when I was singing. And I mean, for anybody who thinks that singing is something that comes naturally or doesn't, it is something you practice day in and day out. Yeah. Because yeah. my first recordings were awful. 
So uh, the moving on to the the actual song, say hello. I mean, you're doing very well at the moment. I think this it's really uh, exploded this EP and that song you know, on Spotify. So it's been very well received. Yeah, thankfully. And the where did it come from? Where does this? Uh, what's it about? This song and and what does it uh, what does it signify? Yeah, so the song was actually born out of a period of writer's block, which was interesting. So like a lot of times like writing music for me, it was something that was supposed to be like very therapeutic. So I didn't just write songs, just write songs. I wrote songs whenever I felt like I needed to get something out. And so I was going through this period of time where I was just having a hard time coming up with a new song. It's just, there was nothing coming out. And I remember I was sitting at my piano. I was so frustrated because I, I wanted to write something, but I I couldn't come up with anything. Um, and so I decided, you know what, just forget it. I'm just going to play around on my piano and just have some fun. So I switched my piano setting to guitar and I started playing around with an arpeggiator. And just, I think I was playing Hotel California or something like that on the guitar setting on my piano. I flipped on this arpeggiator. I started playing around with that. And all of a sudden I landed on this guitar beat that became the basis for Say Hello. And as soon as I found it, it was such a unique, like sort of rhythmic, kind of beat uh that I immediately whipped out my phone and recorded it and I was like I knew I had something that I was going to write a song to um and I sat on that recording for a couple months and I just would pull it out every once in a while I'd be like show my friends be like oh listen to this isn't this sick and they would be like yeah it's great and then I'd put it back in my pocket and that would be it but eventually one day I I sat down and I was like I need to write a song to this because I love it so much so um I started writing the song and I was going to sort of make the song about at the period of time I was in, I was going through a bunch of kind of crappy relationships and, you know, relationships that were lasting a couple of weeks and falling mm-hmm. apart and nothing really meaningful. And so I wanted the song to be somewhat like about solidarity and being alone and, you know, how comforting it can be to be alone instead of sort of, you know, opening your world to somebody else. And I got about a verse two verses in and I realized if I continue down this path of just this one note of like solidarity, this song's going to get very old by about Mm -hmm. two minutes in. So that's when I started playing around and made the switch to the major key. And that's when the song shifts meanings completely, Mm -hmm. which is it goes from a song about solidarity to a song about the push and pull between the desire to be alone and the desire to, to share your life with someone. That's the very first, the two lines of the uh, of the chorus, because uh? yeah. loving no one is easy, but being alone is hard. Yeah, exactly. So and that's that the was, switch from minor to major. Exactly. Yeah. So that was the major turning point when I had that line combined with the switch to the major key. Once mm-hmm. that happened, I was like, I knew that this was going to be a song, um, and then I knew that I wanted this song to be 
very push and pull. So when we finally got the song written, I had the lyrics and it came time to actually record the song, produce the song. The one thing we wanted to focus on was this dramatic push and pull between the minor key verses and the major key chorus. And then you all ultimately have the song resolve in the major key, which, you know, it resolves a lot of the tension of the song, but also sort of gives this hopeful element in what's otherwise kind of a dark song. Yeah, because it starts off being you being alone, huh? or the, uh, it's, it's gravel-covered hill outside my home. It's it's quite a grim yeah. uh, imagery, you know? You can almost see, uh, for me, I, I grew up in a place where they had lots of uh, coal mines and stuff like that, so you see all these... These hills That's strength of Pennsylvania. You know, ex- exactly. So you, you can you can almost see this grayness in my mm-hmm. mind. And then in the end, it's just, you know, say hello. And it's about putting yourself out there and just saying hello to somebody, the li- to life and to other experiences, which is a quite a positive end. Yeah. And that's interesting. It's so interesting to do, which I've found out when I'm writing music, is that the best lines are always the ones that are just placeholder lines. So say hello was something that just worked for the syllables that I needed to fill that melody. And eventually you find out that the words that you pick just randomly to fill that part of the song end up being the best lines that you wrote. And so say hello was something that I just wrote to kind of fill that part of the song. And then I, as I stepped back and as the rest of the song sort of built out, I was like, this is exactly what I want to say. And it just sort of came out. Just, just fits very, yeah. And then you 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 said uh, in the beginning is something I wanted to ask you about is that guitar mm-hmm. uh, arpeggio at the beginning. Uh, mm-hmm. I kind of uh, I'm a guitar player and I kind of got the idea either this is a spectacularly good guitar player yeah. or there's a sort of a sample or something else going on and and, and yeah. you reveal a little bit it's a, it's is that done on your piano? Yeah. So for the demo, it was all done on my uh, the arpeggiated guitar on my piano. Okay. When I sent it to the guitarist who I worked with, who is an old friend of mine from high school, who's a phenomenal guitarist, he was like, he listened to it and he was like, yeah, this is pretty much impossible to play, but I'm going <laughs> to figure out, he's like, I'm going to figure out a way to like get this recorded. So he did whatever sort of witchcraft that he had to do with like cutting it up and playing it mm-hmm. in a different way. And it ended up getting to sound perfect because we wanted it to be done with real instruments because the song itself like is so we wanted authenticity to be sort of like the feeling you get from it so having a synthesized instruments anywhere didn't feel quite right so he managed to get a real guitar um it just took some sort of i still don't really know exactly what he did i've always thought that i was like if we play this song live i don't know how how (laughs) he managed to pull it off but we're gonna have to do it somehow so yeah, it's. It, I, I originally thought it was maybe um, a garage band arpeggio. Yeah. You know, it sounds yeah. so clean and uh, uh, perfect. Yeah. It's it's really really well done. Well, and as soon as I had it too, I was like, because of the fact that it's not something that you would just be noodling around on an acoustic guitar and come up yeah. with. So it was so unique in the way that it sounded, and yeah. the fact that on top of it, it was very rhythmic in its own right without adding in any sort of percussion it was already a very rhythmic sort of um guitar beat so once i had that i was like we we got to just figure out how to write a song to this because i just loved it so much Uh, and other which other instruments did you did you did you do 
there is a drum beat on there. Yeah. Underneath. So that was something that I worked with my friend from high school as well. Um, he he's worked at a recording studio and we worked on the drums together. We wanted, you know, my philosophy when it comes to producing my own music is each instrument sort of has to justify its existence in the recording, right? And yeah. if it's not explicit, if, if it's not explicitly needed, then it needs to get taken out. Yeah. I think in the world of Pro Tools and Logic today, it's so easy to add just 6,000 tracks into a, into a session that you just tend to get hit with this wall of music. And that's not what I wanted. So, uh, you know, the drums that we used are a bit like sparse and a bit, you know, they build, you know, they get a bit bigger as the song goes on, but they're still pretty sparse and still pretty light. Um, and that was something we deliberately wanted to do because we wanted there to be space and air and room in the mix. Mm. And um, thankfully, I think, I, I hope that came across in the song. So, Yeah, definitely. Um, I think it's a, 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 a move away from the kind of wall of sound idea into every single instrument has to add to the mix. You know, when you put the instrument there, the whole thing has to get better because it's there. Right. And not just it be there because you have to have drums and bass and the, the, and yeah. if it doesn't actually lift the song to a different level, then you could just just as well leave it out. Yeah, I think sometimes you get to the end of the session and you're like, "There's a French horn in here. There's a clarinet." I'm like, "Why do I have these things?" You know. <laughs> and then once you start chopping those things out, you you tend to find that by reducing the things in a song, it really can come to life in a yeah. lot of circumstances. So that's kind of our philosophy across the whole EP. Okay. And because you also uh, recorded the whole thing yourself. Yeah, we recorded it pre coronavirus, but all virtually. So we were, we were ahead of our time in that <laughs> sense. But we, uh, we, like I said, I was working in finance at the time. So I had my equipment um, just in my apartment and he had his equipment at his apartment. We were living maybe, 50 miles away from each other, but we didn't sit face to face until the song was completely finished. And we just would email tracks back and forth. We'd get on the phone, we'd do notes and, uh, we would, we would just flesh out the song completely virtually. So. Oh, okay. And you also did the, uh, producing as well that way, or did you do the producing all on your own? Uh, uh the mixing producing? and mastering. So the mastering we sent out to get mastered by a third party, but me and him did all of the mixing ourselves. Um, we finally sat down in the same room back when you could still sit in the same room with people. And, uh, and we did that, the mixing together. But that was something, that was a very big learning process as well as an independent artist is learning how to mix your own music. Uh, there's so many times where you mix mm -hmm. your own song and then you take it out to your car and listen to it and it just sounds horrific. And yeah, so yeah. being able to finally have a song that we were proud of was a, a big moment for me as like an independent artist. And do you, when you, when you mix a song, <clears throat> do you also uh, try it out on different speakers, different, uh, uh, different headphones, all sorts of different uh, environments to, before you actually go and send it to the mastering? Yeah. So that was the mistake I think I was making was I had these studio quality headphones yeah. that I would do all my mixing on. And then I would throw on the headphones I'd use to like go for a run and it would sound terrible. And I was like, yeah. why am I mixing on headphones that no one's ever going to listen to them on? So 
that's sort of when I switched my philosophy. And this, this happened a lot with the EP specifically was um, like taking my mixes out to the car or taking my mixes and putting them on a crappy pair of earbuds and starting to do my mixing from the places that people are actually going to listen to the music from, because it could sound great on a, you know, $300 pair of headphones, but if no one's ever going to listen to it on there, then your, your mixes are never going to translate. So, um, yeah, so we definitely tried to test it across a couple different platforms to make sure it translated. Yeah. And do you, I mean, uh, I use, uh, I also use studio headphones Mm -hmm. because it makes it easy to, completely see all of the frequencies and, and anything that's really screaming out at you will come out on that a lot easier. Right. But I also have a pair of these uh, bone conducting headphones. Yeah. And if there's anything that is uh, clipping or it really clear the high end it clips or, or if the drums, there's too much kick in the drum, it will really compress, it will really uh, clip out and it sounds really horrible in my ears. Yeah. And so that's a great, uh, yeah, I think you need multiple. You get multiple. You think, okay, this is how it sounds perfectly, and this is how it sounds with kind of suboptimal micro uh, uh, headphones. Yeah, I think that's important when when you're mixing your own music because I was finding that problem all the time. I would hear my song in in a in a natural environment, like on a crappy pair of speakers, and a mm. and I'd be like, this sounds terrible. Uh, but of course, when you're mixing on things that you know are better quality, it's gonna it's not gonna yeah. translate. Yeah. And and what are the you know what are the th- any funny stories or what's you know how is this the whole thing evolved uh, that you've got about this this song? Yeah, the I guess the one funny story was the guitar solo that is at I think it's like a minute forty five in the song or something like mm-hmm. that. Um, the way that came around, I was playing this song. This song's been around for like maybe three years or four years or something like that. So I've been sort of sitting on this for. A long time and i remember playing it way back four years ago with just one of my friends who was a guitar player a different friend and i was like we need to write a guitar solo for this or something and he just immediately went into this beautiful guitar solo and i just happened to be recording it at the time and it was so funny because he had never written music before or anything like that he just played music he was a great guitar player and he laid out this beautiful guitar solo and i just had it recorded and i was like Okay, that's it. And we just popped it into the song and it was like, it was perfect. even just that recording that exact recording that's what we had for the demo and then okay. we ultimately did re-record it but re-recorded i was like it. but not a note of it changed like it was exactly how it was the first time you played it so yeah and i think that's actually something too that i think when it comes to writing your own music and recording your own music a lot of times it's not raw talent like to create something it's recognizing when you happen to stumble on something great like if you can just recognize when something happened by random chance and capture that, that's tends to be what makes you, I think a better songwriter. It's, it's not purposely going out and doing something. Yeah. And that's also the importance of, uh, I think the great thing about the smartphones these days is, you know, you can always record something 
Uh, and, and it's those moments, actually, when you're playing something, it's inspiration. It's like, oh, hey, that was a really cool riff or, or that was a really great uh, uh, chord progression or something that, or, or even a, a line, a text, lyric. And if you don't catch it, capture it, you know, even a few days later, you think, what you, you, don't, you might even forget that you actually even had oh, yeah. that idea. Right. There's you so know? many things I've lost just because I forgot to record them. Yeah. But. And uh, so, I mean, when you, you know, now you've taken this song from something that was, well, a demo and kind of an idea, and you've gone through this whole process now, and you've released it into the world. Is that released product really, is that song how you imagined it would be? Or does it match up to your expectations of what it would be? Yeah, I think that's the one nice thing about having this as a solo project is it if it doesn't match what I wanted it to be, it, it's never going to be released, you know? So mm -hmm. it's not like we have four different personalities sort of vying for, you know, a different sound. Uh, you know, for me personally, like I said, the whole reason I got into music was to be therapeutic. So I wanted what was in my head to be what ultimately comes out in the song. And if that didn't happen, then it didn't get released because otherwise I didn't see the point in it because you know, when people listen to my songs, I want them to realize that what they're hearing is exactly what is inside my head. And I want that to be completely authentic. So thankfully, when we were going through Say Hello, like by the time we got to the end of it, it, it was exactly what I had ultimately envisioned the song to be, if not maybe even a bit more, thankfully, because we had such a good working process together. Um, so yeah, to be able to get that out, and that was the first official single that I had ever done, was the first like studio quality, like mm. pressed, done, finished song that I had ever done. Um, and so that was a really cool moment. And to have that be our lead single for our EP was was really cool as well. Okay, because it's, um, you've, I mean, you've done really, really well. Uh, I, I've kind of been following you since, since say hello and yeah and i see you're you know you're you're you've really exploded on on spotify you know, like some like uh what is it uh, 30,000 yeah, like... 30, uh, listeners a month or something yeah yeah thankfully it's, from, it's been good so far so i mean since october uh, august nobody had ever heard of you and now all yeah. of a sudden you've got like 30,000 listens a month on uh, on spotify that that's yeah quite amazing on the back of maybe one or two singles well that's the that's, thing that's sort of the challenge about being a solo artist was like, you have to introduce people to you and get them comfortable with you in a short period of time. Mm -hmm. Because like you have all these songs that you worked on for forever, but you have zero momentum. No one cares who you are, you yeah. know, in the beginning. And so sort of getting that initial momentum um, was something that we focused on a lot. I think, like, I think I ran into you on submit hub or something like yeah, so one of these right. platforms long before the song was even released because we were trying to make sure that when the song actually came out that we were going to have some sort of momentum mm -hmm. so did you also uh have a publishing or uh, not a publishing a promotion budget uh, that you kind of paid for advert adverts how did you promote the song outside yeah, of did, submit hub we did a couple things um so like i said i took the money, the way we looked at it, me and I say we, it's basically me and my manager, who's 
another one of my friends from high school. So we're really an independent like band mm. a through a group. Um, we looked at this because we were both business majors. We looked at this as a small business and we said, we're going to have to put money into this if we want it to grow. And ultimately right. we'll get it back out in the long term. But like I said, I had worked this job on Wall Street. I had gone through the years of, of torture to save the money, you know, so I could put it yeah. into my music. So we outlined a budget plan and we put together, we had ads made for Facebook. Um, we did some playlist pushing, uh, pitching to, to different playlists um, just to get it in front of them. Like, uh, and, and then if they liked it, they would add it to their playlist. And then we did like Facebook, Instagram ads. Um, and then word of mouth was actually sort of like a big part of it too. I mean, yeah. we had a pretty big group of people who were just sort of out like spreading the word as soon as it came out, which was really cool to see my whole hometown was basically sharing this song. So that was a cool moment. Oh, as well. that's really cool. Yeah. Yeah. Um, it, it's funny because you uh, mentioned about being a business and I, uh, uh, I listened to a podcast called Your Band Sucks at Business, which is run by two uh, Canadian guys who were in the Band of Rascals. They might even still be in the Band of Rascals. Uh, it's a great podcast and it's a, it says exactly these kind of things. You know, most people don't run their band like a business, mm-hmm. you know, and then yeah. ultimately will fail. So that's uh, it's really nice that you say that. Is that you come from it from a business angle and if you were going to promote a product, how would we do it? And your right. band is also a product or your song is also a product. And I think because you get so like, if you think of a regular business, business people don't get attached emotionally to their product, but as songwriters, you get emotionally attached yeah. to your yeah. song. And so I think there's this idea that I'm just going to put the song out there and it's going to blow up because people are going to love it as much as I do. But yeah. most people don't care who you are. Yeah, like yeah. you have to force them to care in the same way that you would sell them a product. And so we just tried to take some of our business skills that I went through college for and tried to apply it. And, and thankfully it worked. So, yeah, yeah. It's the idea of uh, build it and they will come. Yeah, right. You know? Which is not true. <laughs> this is not true. Yeah. Well, there are a lot of people building stuff. So uh, yeah, you've exactly. got to, you're going to be able to stand out. Mm-hmm. Um, okay. So, I mean, that's that, that's the past. And you've just released uh, the EP, I think, uh, Friday or yesterday or the day before? Yep, uh, on Friday. On Friday. Um, yep. So maybe you want to tell a little bit about uh, the EP and other stuff that you're doing that's uh, going to be coming up in the next yeah. month or two because you've done yeah, a lot so of work. Uh, well, the EP just came out on Friday. It's a four-song EP. It's called My Name Is Not Kaiser. Um, and it's, it's four songs. Uh, like I said, two were from the demos that I originally put together and there's two ones that had never been, uh, demoed or anything like that. Um, the EP is basically sort of supposed to be kind of an introduction to what the project is and sort of, um, I guess my idea for what I wanted Telco to be was we sort of had this movement towards completely electronic music in the 2010s, right? With EDM and dubstep and stuff like that. And you sort of had the reactionary movement, which was like back to bluegrass type stuff with banjos and acoustic guitars. And so I think in the 2020s, what we're going to have to do is try and sort of figure out how those two blend together and how, how the electronic influences are going to blend with like the more acoustic, you know, classical versions of music and how do you move forward in an authentic way and in a way that doesn't feel forced. And so like 
that was what I sort of wanted to try and do um, on the EP was sort of take acoustic sounding instruments or acoustic instruments and blend them with electronic elements. So you'll see in the EP, there's a lot of like vocal samples or mm -hmm. synthesizers or maybe some synthesized drum samples or things like that. But it's always matched with something that's like just sort of fundamentally pretty sounding, which is like an acoustic guitar or um, just a, you know, a piano or something yeah. a bit more basic and fundamental. So, um, you know, I think in a time where everything seems to be boiled down to, you know, such bite-sized information, 140 character tweets and stuff like that, I wanted to have something that was a bit more authentic and real. And I wanted that the, the meaning of the songs to be a bit more authentic and to really let people know like what was going on inside my head. So, yeah. I mean, I've gone through the whole, uh, in my lifetime, you see this sort of synthesized music, electronic music. And then I think it's maybe the last 10 years, people have really started going back to, I mean, even when I was young, I used to listen to LPs, you, know, you buy LPs mm -hmm. vinyl. Mm -hmm. Vinyl was just normal. And now it's kind of almost it's, in the last 10 years, it's come back again. Vinyl has yeah. really reemerged and all the analog tube uh, amplifiers, all this analog equipment when I was your age, it was like nobody works with analog. Nobody works with tube amplifiers anymore, or you know, it was all old school. And and it kind of comes back. And when you mix it with something that's new, right, you can, you can sample it and you can uh, you can modify it electronically. Then you add something to both. I think. Right. And that's and that's I think that's, that's that was like midway through the 2010s. I think it was like dubstep was like the hot thing and at the same time Mumford and Sons were like the biggest yeah. band in the world and I was like well, what's happening here you know what I mean like we're yeah. we're completely on two ends of the spectrum so I think it I think the next period of time is going to be interesting to see how people start to blend those two so I'm trying to like just put my small footprint in in that direction and see kind of what comes out you know okay so uh, if you're going to put your small footprint where do we find that small footprint on the internet yeah. well so if we're on all streaming platforms we just we just uh started selling our our merch uh yesterday we rolled out which was cool um yeah. at, for anybody who follows us we're at telco underscore music on instagram um we work with a really great artist it's it's actually my my fiance now, I just got engaged actually recently. Oh, congratulations. So, um, she's the artist for the project. And she, um, for anyone who follows our Instagram, there's a lot of really cool artwork that is attached to all the yep. different singles. Um, so we just started selling that with some of the merch. Ultimately, you know, I've never played a live show as it stands right now, uh, because this is, again, my debut single. So yep. the goal is to start playing shows whenever I'm allowed to do so. <laughs> uh, I don't know when that's going to be. Um, but we're obviously going to get out there and, and play the EP and, and try and, you know, see people on the road. Yeah. And, um, and then in next month in October, we're going to be back in the studio recording a real studio this time for the first time, uh, recording a follow-up single and then just kind of go from there. So. Okay. So, uh, watch this space. I think this episode will go out in early in October. So the, uh, I'm probably in the, the studio. Huh? And you'll be in the I, studio. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> Okay. As people are listening, I'll just know I'll be working in the studio while people are listening. Yeah, so it's uh, he's not slacking off to talk to me. Yeah. He's actually doing some real work. Exactly. <laughs>
And uh, to uh, to finish off, I also maybe ask you if, if you could think of a your favorite new song, if you have one. You think, okay, this is something that's really cool. Yeah. So there were there are two bands that I wanted to shout out that I'm huge fans of. That uh, well, the first one's Peace and the City Grease. They're a band from Philadelphia, Pennsylvania. They released their first album this year, and it's far and away like my favorite release of the year. And I had a lot of favorite artists release music this week. And it's this small band that needs to get more recognition because they're just mm-hmm. phenomenal. So Peace in the City, Greece, if you could check those guys out. Peace and in the City, Greece. Priests. Greece. City Greece. Greece. Yep. Oh yeah, Peace in the City. So if you will, we can put a link to their music, I guess, in the in the show notes. Yep. And then so the you- other artist uh, that is uh, Christian Sparaccio. Um, I actually bumped into him on Instagram and we got to talking and if people like say hello, they would probably like a lot of his music. He tends to do a lot of the same thing, which is mm. acoustic instruments with a bit of an electronic element and his voice is phenomenal. So I would I encourage people to check him out as well. Okay. So we'll check him out as well. Oh, sounds okay. good. That's, uh, that wraps it, up, wraps it up for us uh, today. I think, uh, Michael, thank you very, very much for giving me your time today. And, thank you. Uh, I appreciate it. Wish you a lot of luck with, uh, with the EP. Well, you thank don't you. need my luck. You're doing very uh, well on your own. Thank but, you. Uh, thanks again. Uh, thank you very much. Appreciate it. you enjoyed this podcast and that you come away with an appreciation the creative process and more importantly have found your new favorite song all of the songs featured in the show are on our spotify playlist the enron's new favorites and you can find all the links mentioned in the podcast in the show notes below next week i'll be talking to johnny dioxide about his ode to pure and overwhelming love red turtle and the songs he plays to the ghosts in his studio If you enjoyed this podcast, then please hit the subscribe button and leave a review on iTunes, Spotify, or the podcast app that you're listening on. If you want to help us to continue making and growing the podcast, as well as releasing new music, then visit www.patreon.com backslash the Enrons and support us for as little as one euro per month. We'd really appreciate it, and every little bit helps to cover the costs of making the podcast. Thanks for listening, and see you next week. Cause loving no one is easy But being alone is hard Say, say, say hello Take me down, take me Let's just go